Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So this morning, I want to start this message by doing this. I want to ask you a question. Uh, not trying to be morbid or anything like that. It's just a reality. If you were to drop dead today, hope you don't. But if you do, and if you were to drop dead today, do you have complete 100% certainty in your heart and soul today that you would go to heaven? Do you absolutely know that you would go to heaven? And if you did die and you were standing before God and He said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would be your response to him? What would be your answer? Would you say, well, because I'm a good person, because I keep try to try to keep the Ten Commandments, because I, I come to church a lot, or because I, my mom and daddy helped start the church, or my granddaddy was a deacon, or what? Y'all, our only hope is the person to whom we just sang, Jesus. He's our only hope. And if you don't know Christ, apart from Christ, the wages of sin is death, and apart from Christ, if you were to die today and not try to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, scare anybody or anything like that, but if you were to die today without Christ, you would go to hell. You'd go to hell. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no purgatory where you'd go and hang out for a while and hope that somebody prays you out of there and gets you in heaven. That ain't going to happen. There's no purgatory. There's nothing like that. When you die, you either are absent from the body and present with the Lord, or when you die, you, you go to hell. And so I just want to offer you the opportunity right here at the beginning of this message, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you walked in here today, and now you're going, man, why in the world is He starting this sermon this way? Because that's exactly what I've been thinking about. Why is He, why is he doing that? Because something weird's going on inside of me now, and I'm kind of... Well, it's because the Holy Spirit is trying to trying to draw you to Himself. And if you need Christ today, if you know that you're not saved, if you know if you don't have that certainty, if you if you don't have the certainty of knowing that you have eternal life and that you're going to live forever in heaven, then right now, right now, at the beginning of the sermon, I want to give you the opportunity to call out to Jesus. The the Word of God says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to give you the opportunity here at the beginning of this sermon, just in case I don't make it to the end of the sermon, you know, if I drop dead in the middle of the sermon, I want to make sure that I gave you the opportunity to come to Jesus and be saved today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I pray for anybody in this room today, any person that may be watching this service right now, maybe weeks, months, years from now, they find this service on YouTube or on our Facebook page or on our church website and they just happen to find it and then lo and behold here I am saying you need to give your life to Jesus and folks in here right now or folks watching realize yes that's what I need to do so if that's you would you call out to Jesus right now and you know it's time for you to be saved then will you call out to Jesus right now and say to him Lord Jesus just call out to him in your heart Lord Jesus I know that I am a sinner and I am lost without you. Only you can save me, Jesus. So I turn from my sins 
And I turn to you. And I ask you to save me right now. I receive you as my Lord. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just gave your life to Christ, then at the end of the service, I want to invite you. I'm not going to give an invitation right now, but at the end of the service, I want to invite you to just come down here and let us know that. Just let us rejoice with you. You don't have to have any magic words or anything. Just come down here and say, hey, man, hey, John, I prayed with you at the beginning of the service. And we want to rejoice with you in that decision that uh, that you made today. So, um, I, so audience participation time, I want to ask you a question. I think most of y'all can get this. I think most of you can. All right, so here we go. I want you to answer this out loud. Two plus two equals... Mark Sandifer even got it right. Good job, man. Good job. He's an old Miss guy. Wow. But anyway, so two plus two equals four. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Good job. All right, now answer this one. What's the answer to this problem? The equation 24x squared plus 25x minus 47 over ax minus 2 equals negative 8x minus 3 minus 53 over ax minus true is true for all values of x is unequal to 2 over a prime where a is a constant. What is the value of a? 3. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Somebody said 3. I, I have no idea. I mean, if, you, if you're if you a math whiz and you want to come up here and get that and come, you know actually answer it for us after the service over, that's fine. But some problems are easy and some problems obviously. By the way, that is one of, uh, literally, one of the hardest questions on ever on the SAT test. That's an actual question off of the math section of the SAT test. It's hard, one of the hardest ever. And so I don't know if it's three or not, but, uh, but that's, that's the, the truth. And so, you know, some, are, some problems are easy, some problems are hard. Life is that way, right? We all got problems. Welcome to the club, man. We all got problems. Some of our problems are easy and some of our problems are hard. How many of you have a problem right now that is really pressing in on you? Just raise your hand. You got some kind of problem that's really pressing in on you. And that, man, hands up everywhere. Eight o'clock, same way. Hands, people dealing with problems, man. And the same is true in the church. Church deals with problems. The church has to deal with it. The church experiences problems too. Some problems are easy to solve. Some problems are very difficult in the church. There's a lot of reasons why the church has problems. There's a lot of reasons why we experience problems in the church. Sometimes, you know, I've been in churches where money was a big problem. And we had budget problems and financial problems. There's all kinds of reasons why there are problems in church. Sometimes the problems are, 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 are staff problems. Sometimes the problems are problems with volunteers. You can't get enough or you can't get people to serve and... You got problems there. Sometimes problems are, are, are space problems, kind of like what we've got right now. We're running out of space, and that's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. You got to deal with it. Sometimes, sometimes problems are not good problems, and they're problems of immorality in the church. Sometimes that immorality can be in a pastor or a staff member's life. Sometimes the immorality is in the congregation. They're immorality issues. Sometimes the problems are due to 
personality problems. You know, you just don't like the pastor. You can't connect with him. And you know, I don't like the way he does things. No, I just don't feel, I don't, I don't jive with him and whatever. And or somebody, or somebody that you are with in a life group or somebody that you serve with or something like that. He just said, there's a, it's just a personality clash. You all are different. So the problems come up as a result of that. Sometimes the problems are due to just different opinions or different viewpoints. Or different personal preferences that people have. Sometimes the problems are doctrinal problems, theological problems, but there's always has been there have always have been problems in churches, and there always will be. And so today we're going to look at some of the problems in the early church and discover how the church should deal with problems when they arise in the church. And so grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. You know. If you've been here for a while, that's where we've been for the last several weeks. Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to focus our attention today. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hope you got your Bible with you. Um, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So if you'll stand, please. Let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. It says, but a man named Ananias. Let me stop right there. When you see the word but at the beginning of a sentence, that means that there was something before that that caused the writer to shift gears. That word but means, okay, there's something else I want to tell you. Well, what was going on prior to this is that the church was growing. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. And, and people were like selling property and, and stuff like that to take care of people in the church. They were ministering to each other in the church, taking care of each other. So they were a lot of people in the church were selling their property or selling some property or selling something, some land that they had or something like that, and then taking the money and giving it to the apostles and say, "Hey, man, go help these people. Go take care of these people. Go help that. Go get some food for that mom and her kids or whatever." So that's what was going on. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Now check this out. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men got up and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, and they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. May God bless the reading of this portion of his word. Let's pray. Father, help us now by the power of your spirit to be taught the truth of, word, of the Word of God and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. So, I told you, <laughs> the church deals with problems. 
and the early church here was dealing with problems. They were facing problems. Some of them were internal problems, like this one. Internal problems of greed and dishonesty and deceit that had crept into the church. So some of them were internal problems, and then some were external problems because there was a lot of persecution. The problem of persecution had started. And so there was a lot of persecution going on among believers and the apostles as a result of them preaching the gospel and doing the work of the gospel. And so here's what's happening here in Acts chapter 5. This is kind of a kind of a uh, shocking experience for the church to say the least. But here's what's going on. The church, man, the church was growing. The church was experiencing this this season of growth. I mean, it's kind of like us, man. Praise God. We're 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 seeing that, man. God's growing our church. It's it's really cool, and we're seeing people coming and being a part of our church. And I hear some of y'all that have been around here a long time say, "Man, I don't know anybody anymore." Good. I mean, that's good. That means we're growing, and then people are coming, and and it's great, and it stretches us. But that's what's going on here. The church was growing. There was a lot of unity in the church. It says there that the church was together, man. They were together. Not just together physically, but they were together. They were in unity. They they were going the same direction. Man, working hard to go the same direction. So it is no surprise. So listen to me, church. It is no surprise because of the growth and because of the unity and because of what God was doing. It is no surprise that Satan reared his ugly head try to derail what God was doing. To try to disrupt what the Lord was doing. Because chapter 4 ends with this, this unified church. This church that was in unity together. They were together. And chapter 4 ends with the unified church coming together and taking care of each other. They were doing what the church is supposed to do. You're supposed to be able to be able to count on the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to help you in your time of need. And so when people would have a, a, a financial need or a physical need or something going on there, then people who were more well off in the church who had the means to be able to do it would go and sell some property or go sell a house or go do something and sell some stuff and they'd bring the money and they'd bring it to the apostles and say, hey man, here, take this money and go take care of those people. Go do the here. Go love on those. It, it reminds me of what John said in First John chapter three, I believe it's verse eighteen. This says, "Little children, let us not love in word and in tongue." In other words, let's don't just, let's, not, let's don't just talk about it, but let us love in action and in truth. Let's go do it. And that's what they were doing, man. They were doing it. They were saying, man, if there's somebody who's got a need, I'll take care of it. I got the means to be able to do that. I'll sell some property and I'll bring all the money. Bring it in here. This beautiful picture, man, is a beautiful picture of Christ-like compassion and love being shown to people. But this beautiful picture of Christ-like love and compassion was marred by Ananias and Sapphira as they deceitfully held back a portion of their contribution while claiming that they gave it all. 
if you like, if you look at verse two there, it says that Ananias, with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. That word there that he kept it back, that word actually has the connotation of embezzlement. That's just a that's just a nasty word. When you think of somebody embezzling, you go, man, that's just a, he's just a snake in the grass, man. He just she just you know she embezzled. That means that means that you keep money back. You hold that money back in a secret way, in a dishonest way, and that's what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. So Peter steps up and confronts both of them at separate times. Ananias first, Ananias first, and then Sapphira. And he confronted them and he asked Ananias a very pointed question about why he had allowed Satan to fill his heart. Why had he put himself in a position to let Satan fill his heart and lie to the Holy Spirit? Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. You see, Satan knew that he could not destroy the early church. He he couldn't destroy what God was doing. So he was looking for ways. Listen to this church. He was looking for ways. In other words, looking for people that he could use to infiltrate the church and to hinder it by tempting people in the church to live in hypocrisy. Is that not one of the main things we hear people say about the church? Some of y'all have heard it this morning in our prayer time. This morning, there's about nine of us in the sanctuary praying this morning at six o'clock. And one of the guys that was praying this morning, I'm not going to call his name, but it doesn't matter, but I'm not going to call his name. And, and he was praying. He was praying for a friend of his that is probably not saved. He'd been trying to get that friend to come to church with him. And the friend said, man, I don't need to go to church. I know Jesus and I'm not going to the church because those folks at the church, I see the way they live out in the world. I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to be a part of those hypocrites. Now, I mean, I, we hear that all the time. And it's really a lame excuse because we're all hypocrites from time to time. But the truth of the matter is, that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to live this hypocritical lifestyle like Ananias and Sapphira saying, yeah, hey, if you're a hypocrite, then you say you're one thing, but you're really something else. And you put this mask on to make everybody think that you're this way when really you're not. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. Hey, look, we gave all this money. We sold, look, we gave all this money. Look how wonderful we are. No, you're not. You didn't do that. And the same tactics that Satan was using in the early church to try to infiltrate the church and corrupt the church are the same tactics he's using today. Which means that anybody in this room, young or old, anybody in this room could be an Ananias today. Or you ladies could be Sapphira today. And, and so the end result of their sins was that Ananias and Sapphira both died suddenly and dramatically. Boom! Dropped dead right at the feet of Peter. And some folks would say, man, that's the way God overdid His judgment on them. Man, come on, they just... Come on, man! They just... They just I sound like Joe Biden. Come on, man! But anyway, I don't ever want to sound like Joe Biden. But anyway, so, so he... he uh, uh, you know, I mean, come on, God, they just kept a little money back. They just kind of told a little lie. Hey, hey God, look, come on, God, they gave, they gave some of the money. Give them credit for that. Doesn't it sound just like us? Well, let me tell you something.
something, when you look at the whole scope of Scripture, which is what you have to do when you're studying the Word of God, you find this out. God doesn't play with sin. You go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Don't do it now, but you go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, which was a church that was full of immorality and hypocrisy. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he reminded them, hey, look, you need to remember all the stuff that God did to His people in the Old Testament. Man, when the children of Israel wandered around out in the wilderness, they still, all, they, all they started doing was grumbling and complaining. You ever done that? Did the preacher preach too long? You don't like the way something's going on in the church and so you complain about it. and You grumble about something that's going on. And you know what happened to the people in the Old Testament when they did that? God sent a bunch of snakes out in the middle of them and killed thousands of them because they were grumbling and complaining against the Lord. God doesn't play with sin. The truth of the matter is every sin deserves death. If you have walked... <laughs> If you have walked in here today and you're sitting on this side of the room and you saw somebody over here that you don't like and you leaned over to your friend and said, can you believe what she's wearing today? You ought to drop dead right now. Or you're sitting up here and there's somebody over here that owes you some money. So you lean over to your wife and say, that's sorry, son of a gun. I can't believe it. He, he still had not me. He's such a... You ought to drop dead right now. Every, the wages of sin is death. Sin deserves death. It is only by God's grace that you and I don't drop dead when we sin every time we sin. We don't get that. We don't understand that because we don't see people... Praise God, dropping dead in all of our worship. Maybe if that happens, the folks should start getting serious about the Lord. And that's what was going on here. Because when those things were happening in the Old Testament, when those people were dropping dead under God's discipline and judgment, it's because God was doing something new. And that's what's going on here. Man, look at what's going on. The church has gotten started. God's The gospel is about to be proclaimed around the world. And people... And things were going and God was serious about church, you better be the church you're supposed to be. Full of righteousness and holiness and, and purity. And so problems like these that the church, early church were facing, that the early church was facing are still prevalent today. These same problems. And while we may not see people dropping dead in our worship services when they're sinning against the Lord and His church, we still have to deal with problems. And so the application for this message is that the church must always face and solve its problems in a God-honoring way. So I don't even like the title of this message, The Problems. I don't like that, but we, but we may as well deal with them. Because if we pick up the rug and sweep them under there and pretend like everything's fine, then they just get bigger and bigger and worse and worse. So let's talk about it. First of all, churches have problems because churches have people. <laughs> Ain't that right? You are the church. I am the church. You are the church. And the reason we got problems is because you are a problem. And I am too. Churches have problems because churches have people. You notice that you don't see anywhere 
where Luke, who wrote the, wrote the book of Acts and wrote the gospel of Luke, you don't see anywhere where Luke said the church had problems. You don't see anywhere where he said the church had sinned. What he does is he makes it clear that the problem was a person. The problem was a person who had sinned against the Lord and His church, and that person's sin could have led to widespread problems within the church. So, that's why it's so important that you don't be the one that brings the problems in the church. You know, some churches are just known to be problem churches. I've been in the ministry for a long time. Mark and I have been doing this for a long time. And some churches are just known to be problem churches. Like, you know, you got a pastor that, there's a church looking for a pastor. Like y'all were a couple of years ago. And so you're looking for a pastor. So you get these resumes together and you start talking to people, trying to find out, hey, you know. And so you call, so this pastor sitting there, he gets a call from this church and just looking for a pastor. Says, hey, we'd like to talk to you about being our pastor. He says, okay, okay. So he gets off the phone, he starts calling his preacher buddy friends and, and says, hey man, uh, such and such church wants wants me to be their pastor. What you think? And man, his friends go, oh bro, man, wait a minute. You better think twice about that church, man. You better hang on. You better make sure God's calling you to that church because that church is a problem church. You know what they're saying? That's translated to mean that church has got some people in that church that are problem people. That church has got a got a, a, a power struggle in their church, got a group that's the power group that calls all the shots. That that church has got that, that church has got some power brokers. That church has got a, a single family that control has controlled everything for years and they're still controlling things. You better make sure, man, you got some problems in that church. That church has got uh, this influential person whose opinion sways uh, the majority of the congregation. So you better you better make sure that, that church has got this Sunday school class or this prayer group that is known to regularly oppose any changes in the church. Man, you better you better make sure. Or maybe the, maybe that church is known to have to have had pastors that were problems. The point is is that the church has problems because the church has people. And you look, it's amazing that Paul uh, Peter when he addressed him, he said Ananias. The name check this out y'all. The name Ananias means God is merciful. His name means God has given. The God that was supposed to give all that He had brought to the church, His actual name means that. The very person, the man whose very name speaks of the mercy and grace and compassion of God is the man who brought the first problems into the church. He and his wife and their love of praise for their pretended generosity and their love of money, that is what led to the first recorded sin in the life of the church. That's why. That is why it is so important that we make disciples who love God and love others. You know why? Because disciples who love God and love others are much less likely to cause problems in the church. Amen? Hope you all with me. 
Because if you focus on the Lord and you're focused on Jesus and you're focused on keeping His commands and doing what He's supposed to, you ain't got time to cause problems in the church. Churches have problems because churches have people. Secondly, God put gifted leaders in place. He puts gifted leaders in place to deal with problems. You look at Peter, verses 3 through 10. I'm not going to read that whole thing, but you see what Peter did. Peter immediately stepped in and took control of that situation quickly. He took control of that situation. He wasn't going to let it spiral out of control. And you see what he did. First of all, he confronted the, he confronted the problem maker. You see, verse, uh, uh, you see right there in verse 3, he, but Peter said, Ananias. He called him by name. There goes my watch again. Another watch. He called him by name. He confronted the problem maker. Dealt with him. He immediately went to him and dealt with him, calling him by name. Ananias, we got to talk. Secondly, he clarified the problem. After he confronted him, he clarified what the problem is so there would be no doubt in anybody's mind what was happening. Satan was on the move. That's what he says there. Why has Satan filled your heart? There's the problem. Satan is on the move and Satan is the instigator of Ananias and Sapphira's problem. Man, God, the Holy Spirit was filling people in the church we're doing amazing things. Acts 4.31 says, man, the Spirit of God was filling them and they were preaching the, God, the Word of God boldly. Man, the Spirit of God was filling them. And now Satan is filling their hearts. Trying to fill their hearts to cause them to turn away from the Lord. You better pay attention and better keep your guard up because Satan's looking for ways to do that in your life and my life. So he confronted the problem maker. He clarified the problem. And he finally concluded with a final summary of the problem where he says there in the latter part of verse 4, he says, you have not lied to men but to God. Ananias, you ain't got a problem. You and I don't have a problem. You and I don't have a problem. But you got a problem with God. And that's a much bigger problem than me. You have not lied to men but to God. I think about what David said. You remember David, Old Testament, sent man after God's own heart, but sinned again with Bathsheba, committed adultery, had her husband killed, had a baby. All, I mean, all that crazy stuff that he did. And when he was finally broken and repentant in Psalm 51, verse 4, he says, against, he was talking to God, and he said, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. Every sin is against God. And then we see the consequences. Peter didn't strike Ananias down and he did not declare that that was what was going to happen. That was God's sovereign decision on how he was going to deal with this. But Peter simply and decisively dealt with the problem as the Spirit led him. And can I tell you, that's what leaders do. And folks don't like it. I can tell you from personal experience. You can't judge me. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Hey, guess what? That doesn't work. You're pulling that way out of context if you think that's what you can quote to somebody when they're confronting you in your sin. That's none of your business. 
Preacher, if I'd have wanted you to be a part of this, I would have called you. You might want to just go on back to town. You ain't got you ain't got a dog in this fight. Yeah, I do, because you're in my church. Well, oh, so-and-so is worse than me. Why didn't you say something to him? <laughs> Leaders are called to hold the standard of the Word of God high and to call believers to repentance, to obedience, to protect the unity of the church. We're called to protect the unity of the church and to confront those who go against the standard of the Word of God and those who are threatening the unity of the church. That's what leaders do. God puts leaders in place to deal with problems in the church. Third thing is this. The way we handle problems inside the church speaks volumes to the people outside the church. Verse 11. Let me hurry and finish this thing up. Verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Man, this incident, as crazy as it was, this sinful incident, and then God's swift discipline of two people dropping dead in church. It got the attention. It, it brought shock and awe inside the church, just like it was. I mean, you imagine if that happened. But you also imagine that it wouldn't stay inside here. Man, if that happened in here, you'd be on your phone before you got out the door to call people and say, you're not going to believe what happened in church today. And people everywhere heard about it. Everywhere people were hearing about what was going on. People, ever, everybody, you said, it, it, see, great fear came and upon the church and upon all who heard about it. People everywhere were hearing about God working in a powerful way in His church because even this thing, as dramatic and drastic as it was, was evidence of the power of God working in the church. And that's what you see, man. God used Peter in this problem. God used the apostles and the disciples in Acts chapter 6 when the, when the widows were not getting fed. And so God used Peter, the apostles and the disciples and the deacons to take care of that. God used the church praying. That's why it's so important for the church to pray. God used the church praying when persecution broke out. The church started praying. And in all of these things, y'all, in every one of these situations, every time there was problems in the church and God took care of the problems and used the apostles and used the church and used the prayer, every time those outside the church were drawn to the church and drawn to Jesus Christ. Even the problems will draw people to Jesus if we do, if we handle them the way we're supposed to. You know why? You look at verse 14 here and it says, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women after this thing of two people dropping dead in church and, and, and this crazy instance in the church more and more people came to faith in Jesus because the outside world is watching to see how we handle things inside the church and the way we handle our problems in here speaks volumes to them out there
Right, so the last point, no matter what problems the church faces, the gospel must remain its priority. David Jeremiah said this, he said, had the sin of Ananias and Sapphira been ignored like we like to do? Man, I hate confrontation. I, I do too. I don't, I don't, I'm not crazy about confronting people. But he says, had they ignored it, it would have corrupted all that God wanted to do in the early church. What did God want to do in the early church? Jesus had told them, go make disciples of all nations. Go be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what God wanted to do. God wanted to make disciples, use them to make disciples. God wanted to use them to proclaim the gospel. And if they ignored the problem, the church would have gotten corrupted. They'd have gotten distracted. They'd have been fighting. They'd have been arguing. They'd have been doing... It's so sad when churches get so wrapped up in their problems and don't deal with problems. They fight and argue and have little cliques here and little factions there and little groups here and little groups there and stop preaching the gospel. Folks don't want to be a part of that. Lost people don't care anything about it. They don't want to be a part of that kind of junk. That's why the gospel's got to remain the priority. It doesn't matter what kind of problems we have, and we will have some problems. we got problems now. And we will have problems in the future. But no matter what we face, the gospel must remain the priority. The gospel must remain the priority. You know, there's one universal problem. There's a problem we all got. And that's why I gave the opportunity at the beginning of the message for you to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because we all got a problem. And the problem is sin. And apart from Christ, who is the answer to the problem? We have no hope. And so we got to deal with that problem. All of us have to deal with that. So let me invite you today. If you prayed at the beginning of the service, gave your life to Jesus, man, come on, let us know about that. But there's still opportunity for you to do that because God let me preach today. God let you hear this invitation today. So there's opportunity for you to deal with the problem you got in your life, the problem of sin. Or maybe some of you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Because right now you're not walking with the Lord and so you're very susceptible to being the Ananias in our church. You're very vulnerable to being the Sapphira in our church. You want to be that person? If you're not walking with the Lord, the enemy's got his target on you and he's going to do everything he can for you to be the one to bring the problems in. You don't want to be that person, do you? Rededicate your life to the Lord today. Come to Jesus today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us today now in these, these moments of invitation to hear from you, to respond in obedience to you, whatever that means, Lord. For those that need to be saved, those that have, have accepted Christ today, those who need to rededicate their lives, those who need to join the church, uh, God, whatever it is, Lord, you move in our hearts and lives in this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.